0: Howdy, Rob Lee here, and we're going to get back to the truth in this art. But I want to do a little exercise with you. As you know, the truth in this art is an audio experience, so I'm going to ask you to do something a little different this time and visualize with me. I'm thrilled to reintroduce you to Forged Eatery, a true gem that captures the essence of farm to table dining in Baltimore. At Forged Eatery, they have mastered the art of sourcing local and seasonal ingredients, resulting in a menu that will leave you in awe. Their commitment to quality and to flavor is simply unmatched. Picture yourself, see, it's the visual, picture yourself uh, savoring their mushroom stew, a comforting and aromatic dish that transports you to a world of culinary bliss. The depths of flavor and the carefully selected ingredients will tantalize your taste buds. You can swap out and insert the focaccia, which is heavenly, or the irresistible cornmeal fried happy oysters. Each bite is a celebration of culinary mastery. Forged Eatery goes beyond being simply a restaurant. It's an immersive experience where the menu evolves with the seasons. Each visit promises a new and exciting experience for your taste buds, making every moment unforgettable. So fellow food fans, fellow food lovers, it's time to discover the magic of Forged Eatery. Let their innovative approach to dining and their passion for locally sourced ingredients transport you to a world of culinary excellence. Don't miss out on an extraordinary dining experience. Plan your visit to Forged Eatery today and let your taste buds revel in the true flavors of the season. It's time to indulge in a gastronomic adventure that will leave you craving for more. For more information, visit ForgedEatery.com. Welcome to the truth in this art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I'm super excited to welcome my next guest, a designer, collage and mixed media artist living and working in the beautiful Cowichan Valley in Vancouver Island, Canada. Please welcome Jessa Dupuis. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. Excited to chat with you Coming, coming from,
0: coming from Canada.
1: Oh. Yeah, way up north
0: i mean look i i i look at canadians right they, they're, they're better than us a little bit just just a little bit nicer nicer
1: yeah i don't know i've spent a bit of time in the states and all, all the americans i meet are awesome and i have run a bunch of workshops and almost everyone is american in them and we have a great time so i think there's good people everywhere
0: <laughs> see i like that i like that answer that's a great answer um so before we get to like the main crux of uh, today's conversation, um, and my sort of trolly uh, rapid fire questions on the back end, I, I want to um open it up and give the space to you to um, share a bit about your background and some of your early creative interests because I find that there's always something. It's always something that someone will mention. It's like, yeah, you know, growing up, I saw this one painting and it was just so much blue. And that's why I only like the color blue and only paint the color blue for sake of argument. So could you share like a bit of your background or some of your early creative interests?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I think with most young kids, they're all creative, whether it's like amazing Lego things they build or um, making stuff outside as a fort or whatever it is. Uh, I I like to draw cartoons when I was younger. I drew a lot when I was little. But then I was sort of growing up right when, you know, like we were getting our first computer in the house and like there was, you know, the dot matrix printers and a print shop. I don't even remember who made that program, but there was print shop on the PC. And I think it was probably in about grade 10 or something and started playing in that program and decided like, oh, drawing is so boring when I can make things on the computer. And uh, so my career that I've worked in for the last 18 years is as a graphic designer. And that all kind of stemmed from that, um, you know, being creative and loving drawing and art, but then moving onto the computer and then realizing I like to work uh, smarter and not harder, (laughs) which was a bit detrimental because I kind of lost some drawing skills for a good few years there, you know, high school and into traveling and then coming back to go to school for graphic design. Um, So I spent, uh, you know, the last 12 to 13 years before I started doing analog collage Uh, as a graphic designer, and I still do, I still, you know, have a couple of retainer clients I work with. Um, But I I started doing collage and mixed media as a bit of an art therapy break for myself, because uh, my youngest daughter, about six years ago, when she was two years old, was diagnosed with type one diabetes. And so like a lot of people don't really know a lot about diabetes or type one. But essentially, it's sort of like her pancreas stopped working. It's like her organ failed. So her body makes no insulin. So my husband and I act like her pancreas 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So let me tell you, it's hard work to be an organ. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's really hard work. Um, and, so, and it was really hard because she was two. And giving a two-year-old needles eight times a day is a terrible, it's a terrible day every day over and over for like eight or 12 weeks in and out. Right. Um, until we got her onto an insulin pump, uh, which still wasn't like any easy peasy road trip. But um, in those super early days, I would just take breaks. And instead of, you know, going into the office to sit down, I just wanted to make something creative, but not on the computer. I just felt so tired. I felt so like tired and just sort of this huge life change. It was just too much almost. I just wanted to hide. So I just grabbed a couple of magazines. I did a lot of um, like collage style illustration in Photoshop. So digital collage for my graphic design work and won a couple awards. And those were always the really fun projects where I got to do sort of the client sort of let me run with it and go in the direction I wanted to go. And we'd come back and forth and, you know, have different feedback and 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 working back and forth. But ultimately those are the projects I think I, I was shining in at that time in my design career. Uh, so I thought, okay, well, I don't want to do it on the computer because it's too much like work, work. So I'll just make it like old school with my hands, you know, <laughs> back in the day when you were a kid and you just got out all your art supplies. So I got some, crappy scissors and some you know like real simple like whatever magazine was coming to the house at the time nothing super exciting or nat geo or whatever and i'd lock myself in my garage office studio and you know tell my husband like i need art time out i'm i'm taking my time out and i'd go in there with a beer and all my little supplies and sit on the floor and just make the ugliest stuff <laughs> but it was so therapeutic for me to just focus on like just block everything out put the music on Cut things out of a magazine, requires focus, you know, it gets your mind on it. And then, you know, try to compose something that's interesting, whether it was abstract or just like making, putting animal heads on people bodies, whatever it was. It was just something to uh, decompress and just do for myself. And then I just sort of got immediately addicted to my timeouts because I felt so much better (laughs) after going in there to spend time gluing and cutting and not worrying about general life as it was like not worrying about the kids, uh, diabetes, clients, nothing, just beer and art time, just quietly alone. So it was really good. Um, so that's kind of how I got into collaging and I just sort of never looked back. And I've been, I've been working hard to sort of shift some of my time more towards art making to make money, making art versus making money, just doing design. And so that's been going really well slowly, but I'm quite happy with like my current path that I'm on. Um, And yeah, I mean, there's nothing better than doing something you love to do. And I love graphic design. I do. But again, most of that is client driven. So you can come up with something you love and the client will say, yeah, but not purple, make it red and make it bigger and move it over. And then we also need to put these seven other logos on it. Right. So it's not quite for yourself. Whereas I find I'm really making art for myself and I've, I've kept that sort of collage mixed media side for me and I make things. And if I've decided I love it and it's done, then I'm done. Yeah. and nobody can tell me to change it. And so that's really rewarding um, for me. And so that's kind of how I, you know, I got started in the beginning of just being a creative kid, moving through graphic design, and then having a life-changing thing that I needed art therapy for. And my art therapy that I didn't know I needed was collage, which I magically found somehow. So that's kind of you know where we are today. my my youngest is now uh, eight years old. She's had type one for six years. It's easier than it was six years ago. But still tough. Kids are still kids, and it's a it's a tough thing to manage and and deal with as a, a little person. Um, and actually, honestly, like as a forty year old person, it's also hard, you know, to see your kids and have them be sad because their pod failed. And we got to do a new needle and all that kind of stuff. But um, I come hide out in my studio <laughs> when that happens. So honestly, nothing much has changed. When Type One throws a curveball, I'm just like, okay, we deal with the situation, and then. Mom goes downstairs and hides for an hour and processes it and and uh helps me helps me, you know, feel better and and move on to the next thing with that day. so
0: thank you wow. um I, I think there there's definitely something in that I think that that a lot of people, you know when you're 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 facing something that's challenging, right? I can look back, I guess anecdotally and and look at like this sort of arc of of podcast and this sort of creative you know pursuit, right or even. You know, just other stuff that I dabbled in, if you will, um, just to try to like process and like work through different feelings, different emotions. And the two things that come to mind that I I think kind of align a bit is, you know, years ago, I would have just, you know, you're in high school, you don't fit in. You're like, all right. And and I'm very noticeable, like I'm six, four. And so it's just like I can't hide, you know, and all of this and it's like I just want to be awkward by myself. So I would try to capture those feelings in, in writings and sometimes rap. Not not good rap. I was not a good rapper, uh, but put it in the composition books. And I remember, you know, it's just me processing feelings and putting it on there and just trying to art- articulate what, what I'm feeling as an angsty teenager. And one of the more uh one of the more like sad and like embarrassing moments was when my biology teacher found said uh notebook she was like (laughs) she like graded one of my poems she was like everybody likes you don't be don't be upset i was like yo this is embarrassing uh and the other thing i'll say in in more recent would be this this podcast, um, the sort of genesis of it, you know, we you know had this sort of uh, international embarrassment of a president uh, that was here, uh, and he, he was talking ill about Baltimore, and you know, it's racially coded, it's sexist code, all of the things, and it, it struck a chord with me. It really got under my skin, and it kind of motivated me to try to craft and, and and facilitate stories being told about a place like Baltimore, being the, the home of of what I'm doing. And really kind of extending out and saying, like, we should be able to speak about what we're experiencing and, and speak about where we're at. And we're qualified to do it because we have our fingers on the pulse and having so many different people who are often underrepresented, whether it be women, whether it be the queer community, whether it be people of color, black people, all of that stuff. And the last thing I'll say about that, just the thing that we all were dealing with you know, with, with, with COVID and all of that stuff and being inside and not knowing what's going to happen, I'll say that's when this podcast really took off. Like in, in 2020, it's like 2019 when it started, I, I think I did maybe 20 episodes in like six months. And yeah. 2020, it's just like, yo, I want to talk. Can I talk? I got to talk about my thing. i talk about my work. And just people like sort of processing all of these, these feelings of uncertainty and these these feelings of I don't know, you know, if I'm doing this right, but I at least want to talk to someone. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Therapy of whatever form. Like some people run, some people do art, some people write, they do music or even if you just like Zen out and listen to music, I think that's super important. And I think a lot of therapy in that way comes from that like reset or that breath of creative things, whether it's someone else's creativity that you're using to like reset yourself or your own. I, you know, like I think it's important. (laughs) I know it's important.
0: (laughs) Yeah. First hand experience. Um...
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's uh, it saved me in a lot of ways. I think still does. Still does on those those days where I'm just like, oh, I just go, I'll just tell my husband, I'm like, I gotta go downstairs for like an hour in my little art cave. Just nobody bug me. <laughs> yeah, nobody bug me. And in an hour, mommy will be ready to deal with all of you. So
0: So I I wanna touch on because you 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 were you were describing sort of and i think it's austin cleon that talked about it the sort of analog to digital loop you know like if he's working too much in digital it's like i gotta bring in some analog and so on to yeah. kind of keep things interesting so you know give us a little bit about you know the design thing i i kind of understand that a bit but if you want to touch on like the process there as well feel free but definitely it's client stuff but i want to hear about the thing that you're passionate about like your personal work Talk about like a bit of that that process and any themes that that you're pursuing in 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 your work. Because um, you know, you're talking about like you know making these collages and kind of doing your own like art projects and your own artwork. So so talk about that a bit.
1: Yeah. So I don't. I have a lot of themes that are probably always going on. Micro themes, maybe. But I, I think um, lately, I love gardens. You know, people that can grow things and keep them alive. They inspire me because I am like a black thumb, like I cannot do that. I have no green thumb. Like it is like, I have some cacti in my house and because I neglect them, they thrive. <laughs> That's about it. Like, so a lot of my work has a ton of flowers in it lately in the last like two years. And maybe that was also just recovering from COVID and always being isolated and everyone feeling so sad and depressed. Dude. I just, they're pretty, flowers are pretty. So I've been making I've been making things with like a lot of flowers in them. Um, because they're almost like my little paper gardens that will never die. So I can enjoy this and spread this joy of paper garden and paper art with people and be like, you can have it forever and you don't have to water it and it will not ever die on you. (laughs) So um, I guess that sort of nature beauty thing is big in my work lately. Um, But also in a lot of, that's sort of in the tunnel book um, where I carve out these books and layer all of these pieces in. Um, that's where the garden theme is is really quite looming. Um, but some of my 2D collage and mixed media work has a lot of women in it. Um, I use a lot of like old my life magazines and um what is what Saturday, Saturday evening post or something. They're super old. They're like 1940s, 1950s, 1960s. Um, and the ads with women in them in those magazines are just fabulous. So I, I find a lot of women from there and I like to take them out of their little vacuuming ad. And put them in a more powerful or um fun sort of story. Yeah. so instead of just being this housewife that's worried about having everything clean for when her husband comes home, she becomes someone else with a different statement in my work. um so i I quite enjoy um I guess themes of like women and power, positivity, and then also uh, gardens, I guess, which is hilarious because I hate gardening like we have um We're kind of out in Vancouver Island in a bit of a rural area. So there's an alpaca farm, like just up the road from us. And, um, you know, people have all these like sort of like small, well, not everyone has little small hobby farms, but they're sort of like mini acreages. They're not super big. We've got um, just under half an acre, but our backyard has all these very beautiful weeds in it. And they grow like crazy on Vancouver Island. Like everything just is green and lush and it grows because it rains so much in the winter. Um, But most of them are weeds, but they're pretty. But they're weeds because I cannot garden things.
0: <laughs> that's really funny, and I'm going to steal from you. late. I'm going to steal from you. It might pop up in an episode later in the future, so keep listening. But I'm gonna start calling myself the Black Thumb, and I'm gonna credit you each time. By the way, it's like the Black Thumb, Rob Lee. It's like there
1: you go. Well, you technically have a black thumb, so there you go.
0: That's true.
1: Yeah, it's a saying though, isn't it? I thought it was. Even I like where you kill everything. Green thumb is like a good gardener and a black thumb is a bad gardener or someone who shouldn't even attempt to garden anymore.
0: That's that's great.
1: Yeah. Is that just something my grandma told me? I don't even know. Well, run with it, Rob. Enjoy.
0: I want to use it. <laughs> I mean, I'll credit you each time because, you know, it's, it, I, I've learned, you know, when someone coins something that's like comedians, you got to give them credit for their jokes and photographers, you got to credit them in the image. So, you know, definitely doing that, making sure artists and phrase sayers, you can add that to your list of superlatives. Oh, I
1: promise you, I'm not crediting someone. I'm sure it's like a thing. <laughs> I might have to look it up and then you can credit and then credit on top of a credit.
0: Yeah, it's, we'll, it's like, we'll figure it out. <laughs> it's like how NFTs work or what have you. It's just like, oh, yeah, we just keep adding the, each person that's owned it on there and they all get a piece. I don't know.
1: I feel like that's a bit like collage because, you know, it's like a derivative artwork because I'm taking other people's photographs or um, illustrations or or whatever, or collab like collaborating with like a lot of people and ripping out parts of their mixed media pieces to use in my stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of that idea. And you know, you're you're kind of like stealing and borrowing and creating something new. So it works for me.
0: Where where do you source the materials though? Like the books, the magazines, where, like how does that go about? Because I know back at my mom's house, right? We kept all of like the the super like black magazines like yeah i got jet i got ebony i got right on and word of i'm going deep into the 80s at this point and i'm sure that some like young soldier some artist that's like yeah i need to do some collage work it's like look here's a treasure trove of old like black cultural magazines how do you go about like sourcing your materials for your collage work
1: um really quick on that if you I, do know a black collageist, you should uh email them and say I got stuff because they will always take stuff collage. We kind of hoard things, <laughs> you know, we'll be like oh.
0: one and I will connect you. <laughs> I will connect you yeah, to this,
1: this book of whatever, you know, I I'll use that one day. So we, we buy it or we, you know, for like, thrift shops, people give away books like crazy. They just dump them at thrift shops or used bookstores. I'm really fortunate. There's a, a used bookstore near my house and she'll save like her damaged ones for me, the ones that she's not going to sell. Um, so that I don't feel bad at all about ripping them up or going through them or making tunnel books out of them because they're going to the bin. like they are going to be put in the garbage or recycled. Yeah. So, and there will be people sometimes on Instagram or YouTube or whatever that sort of will try to like troll or shame me and say, like, how dare you do that to a book? And I'm like, i I rescued this book from the garbage. Like, how dare I? What are you talking about? I'm giving it a new life. It would have been, decaying in some landfill somewhere instead now it's going to go on someone's shelf and people are going to enjoy it um so I don't feel too bad and uh every once in a while I answer someone back if they ask it like nicely like oh yeah but how did you cut up a book and I'll say oh well actually it was going in the garbage so I picked it up and I made something new from it um so I'm lucky because she saves and there's a lot of stuff where it's like kids might have scribbled all over the inside of it Uh, Or there's water damage, the pages are all warped and whatever, or it's sort of like smelly. But there's lots of stuff you can do with a book to, you know, freshen that up. Febreze works wonderfully. Letting it sit out in the sunshine for half a summer. Like there's so many things that sort of solve those problems that most people wouldn't pick that off the shelf at the used store, right? Um, But yeah, then there's a couple of thrift shops up island that I go to. And, you know, one of them has just like a, you know, those storage units that are the sea cans, like those big metal boxes. Yeah. yeah, there's a, a sea can full of life magazines. Someone had saved like from the 1930s, just stacked in boxes, just smelling all dusty in there and whatnot. And I pay my 50 bucks and I go in there and fill up my box and, uh, I come out with, uh, treasures.
0: They, they took, they took life literally when it, (laughs) when it came to capturing these, these magazines, these books and, uh, so, so I, I definitely want to ask this um, because I think it's connected with what we're talking about right now. How, how did you come across the idea for like like tunnel books? Like I've, that's the first time I've, I've heard of it.
1: Well, you know, tunnel books are based on like they're super old and they used to be those sort of diorama tunnel boxes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they, they used to be sort of um, based on old like stage sets like plays and so they would take that inspiration there and then they make them into these little tiny boxes and then they would actually light them from the back and they were really neat and i think a lot of people maybe you know 30s 40s right now they probably made a a tunnel book in high school art class Mm. had to make the accordion thing and fold all these things and it was complicated and anyways so i have an art artist friend named amber lomax and um I think it was in 2020 I'd made my goal that year because I make an art goal every year and my goal was to not say no to opportunities like you yeah. know because I, I like to do things that I like to do That's sort of the theme of doing collage for me is that it's for myself yeah. so I don't want to get you know but I, I was feeling a bit stuck and I this is before the whole COVID pandemic stuff started going down. And um, Amber said, you remember tunnel books from high school or whatever? She like, I want to do a show. Let's do one. Do you want to do you want to be in? And in my immediate response, my head was like, no, I don't want to make a tunnel book. <laughs> but I said yes, because I told myself, you need to start saying yes, when there's opportunities to, you know, create and participate and be in the community and be part of, you know, an art show, like, just do it. Like, yeah. How bad could it be? But then the pandemic happened and that show got pushed and pushed and pushed. And I was very glad. Like, I was like, oh, I don't have to make it yet. And then all of a sudden, I guess I think it was maybe March 2021, like leading up to March there, it was opening up again. Like, people could go to things with masks on. And so, you know, in December, Amber's emailing everyone and saying, okay, get your books ready. I need, you know, you need to get them done by end of January because we want to have some pictures for the poster and the media and the whatever. And I remember just thinking, oh no. 'Cause my year of saying yes is done now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm on something now else, I, I,
1: <laughs> I said yes and I and a couple of people pulled out of the show and I I know Amber was disappointed and then I thought, well I can't I can't pull out now. I didn't do it soon enough. <laughs> so I thought I can't, I can't leave her hanging. So I just thought, just do it. Like stop humming and hawing and just get in the studio and just make something. You know, like if it's ugly to start, who cares? Just try, just do it. And I'm standing around because I made a lot of collages out of uh, the book covers from old books from the bookstore. If the insides were like really damaged and stuff, sometimes I would do found poetry and stuff from some of those pages on the inside. But sometimes I just rip those wrecked pages out and throw them in the recycle and then use the covers and just collage on the inside of the book cover. So I'm looking around my studio and I have all these books from this bookstore. I thought, oh, I can, you know, skip doing <laughs> all the hard work. Of figuring out how to make a nice presentable box to house all these little m accordion fold frames i can just cut the book out and stick stuff in it and it's like a tunnel so i told myself so i did one and i sent a picture to the group and i was like can i do this because this is the only way i'm participating in this show (laughs) and they were all of course awesome and they were like of course you can that looks fun so then i made a bunch more for the show and i kind of got a bit addicted to doing them
0: well, thank you. They're really uh,
1: fun. Like, you know, like to move from 2D collage into this like tiny miniature bit of 3D, which was about as comfortable as I was doing at the time. Um, but yeah, there's a whole new depth of story and layers, and anyways, that's how I started because in 2020 I said I'd say yes.
0: Well, that's that's it's something about that. Like um
1: it's a good challenge.
0: Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I I was kind of riding that wave as well. And I was just calling it riding the wave of opportunities come there. It's not coincidental. People are aware and so on. And it's very rare. And I've tried to it, it feels weird. Um, but I tried to say yes to like anyone that reaches out and becomes aware of what I'm doing. And they're like, look, I have this. There's, there's some vetting, obviously. But, you know, Anyone that comes on, it's like, look, I do this. This is my work. I'll check it out. And it's like, yeah, this this works. Let's, let's do it. Let's make it happen. And then as I was sharing with you early on about, I think before we got started of like how much stuff I'm doing. And you say, yeah, you know, in about four years, I've done 600 episodes. It's like, oh, right. And, you know, I talked to some people and they're like, are you really curating this? Are you just kind of like anyone? I was like, it's definitely not anyone. But mm-hmm. definitely being in a bit more, Being open to saying like, yes, but also being a bit more like refined and, all right, does this fit? Does this, you know, does this fit within the theme? Is this something I can push out? And, you know, also it's like a sort of churn rate almost where mm, some of you creative types or some of us creative types, I have to include myself in that, I've been told. (laughs) We I stick to a schedule. A lot of us don't. A lot of us just like, oh, my bad, bro. I picked up a a gig. I didn't show up. My bad. So I have to account for that, but definitely always starts off with a yes. And I think there's something good that comes from from it, whether it's um, you learn something new about yourself, you learn something new about working with someone else, but it's something that you can take out of. And even if it's a situation that feels really weird and really bad, you can at least get a bit out of it. You can at least get a joke out of it somehow. oh for
1: sure a story yeah
0: yeah
1: Yeah. i think you're right i think um you know saying yes that year taught me i think it gave me permission then to be more discerning in what i said no to the next year Mm -hmm. because i did a year of just you know saying yes and um i think that helped me a lot Yeah. the next year i think i did uh, apply to everything so then i just like applied to all these like magazines and features and stuff and i just thought i'll just do it for one year I applied at least two calls a year, or two calls a month. Sorry, and um, and yeah, that went. I got a ton of rejections, but I, all that told me was like, well, you set your goal, you're applying. Yeah.
0: So I got, I think, three more real questions because I think, like you said, going off the off the cuff has definitely answered a lot, and I've been adding rapid fire questions as we've been talking.
1: Okay. All so- right.
0: This is great. So I'm gonna I still got one process-oriented question I definitely want to ask you about, and then I'm gonna go into the other ones. All right. So let's see, what is it about like your creative process that you know? I think we all have the parts that feel like work and then the parts that definitely are super fun. Like we kind of can delineate the two, for instance. You know, this is the fun part for me, doing the interview, talking with someone, you're getting to know someone. It's like creative blind dates. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But when it comes to the sort of prepping and it's the practice thing, getting ready for the actual interview, you don't want to go into it with nothing to say. But at the same time, if it's like an interview that's further out and it's like, okay, I'm kind of ready for this interview. And it's like, it'll be in two weeks. It's like, I already wrote questions. That's the part that feels like the challenge It's the dull part. It's the work part, whereas this is the fun part. What is the more challenging or the more dull part of your process for you? And what is the most like satisfying component for you?
1: I don't know. That's hard. You know, it's, it's hard for me to answer that because I do client work design. And then my collage stuff is sort of like my thing. Um, so I guess to be fair, so this is funny because collage obviously requires a lot of cutting. You have to cut a lot of things out and you have to do it, you know, like in detail. And um, But when we're watching Netflix, you know, or <laughs> watching a show or something, that's what I'm doing. I'm just totally relaxed. I think from the early days when, you know, even just going in to my little garage studio instead of um, thinking about type 1 diabetes with my 2-year-old, cutting was relaxing, It was something like I could do, I could focus on it, and then I would have something done. And um, so I like cutting everything out. I have piles and piles and piles. And I know people can't see (laughs) on this podcast, but I've got just piled everywhere. My studio is like a total mess Um, because I do. Well, I'll watch a show with my husband and I sit there and I cut for an hour and I can cut out a bazillion things. I'm quite quick now. Um, So, I mean, a lot of people find that part of collage tedious, but I don't. I find it just like a really therapeutic part of my process. Um, Cutting out those tunnel books can be pretty tedious. I can get pretty sweaty doing it because I got to stand up and make sure I don't cut my thumb off and all those fun things. Um, And I've been doing some collage tunnel book workshops for people. So I provide them with a cut book so that they don't cut their thumbs off Um, and a little collage pack. And then, you know, we spend three hours on a Saturday afternoon. Um, I show them how to cut the book if they want to do it later. Um, And then we sort of talk about composition and layering and all the fun stuff like that. Uh, But there's times, you know, for February's class, I cut 16 books to send out. That's a lot. That's a lot of of cutting of books. And sometimes I find that part hard. But at the same time, I look forward to the workshop where I meet all these people from Texas and Florida and Portland and like everywhere. And we spend such a great time hanging out and making something together that that gets me through it. Uh, I'm also getting really fast at it because I think I've cut about 46 books for workshops in the last six months. Wow. So, yeah, so I'm getting like, I got it down. I put my, um, you know, my podcast or my whatever show I'm watching on Netflix on the background and I just cut like six books in six and a half hours. And then my hands are done and I have to take a break. Um, but I tend to like to do that. I like to get sort of like that, um, the not fun stuff out of the way. Like yeah. I will go and I will say, okay, today I'm going to cut books for like seven hours because I know I'll get a whole bunch done and I'm almost through. So I think that's the hardest part probably is is for the workshop part of of what I'm doing with collage is, is cutting a lot of tunnel books in a row. That's the most boring. Everything else, I absolutely love it. And I mean, if I'm stuck, if I feel... You know, if I get down here and I start painting uh, or I or I'm trying to work on a a composition and it's just not working, I'm just not feeling creative that day. But I needed a time out. I'll just clean the studio. It's always a a mess. It's always crazy. It always has stuff everywhere. Um, Or I'll sit down and cut more stuff out. And when I walk away an hour and a half later, if that was my break, I've I've accomplished something. Even if I didn't make something, I have things that I'm going to make something with later. So that's that's like really rewarding for me i think is that i always have piles that are ready for me um when i want to come do something uh, but sketchbook i do a sketchbook for myself and i think that's some of my best work i think that's probably my re- most rewarding thing is something i make and i don't show anybody oh, i like, mean yeah. sometimes it's like really ugly because that's where i play and I experiment yeah. but other times i play an experiment and i'm like oh this was awesome and then i try to move it to like some other 2d and i try to replicate it and then fail several times and then i finally get it right so yeah, I think sketchbook has probably been one of my most rewarding parts of my process. And I, I never took, I never, I never kept one before, before maybe pandemic. Yeah, I started it in in pandemic sometime, and I saw people making sketch. I was like, I should have a sketchbook. <laughs> so maybe. I started it, and I was like, oh, having a sketchbook is really beneficial. Um, and I tell people that a lot. I say, you know what? Just make something and don't show other people. Like, make it for you, and sometimes it's going to be terrible. Like art is not always easy, and it's not always like you could be super talented and still make ugly things. Especially if you're trying to move outside of your comfort area. Um, so I think sketchbooks are important for that, and I didn't even know that till like three years ago.
0: I, I 100% agree with it. Like I'm I'm considering like going back and looking at, and I don't want I don't want to do it because it'll like we really start questioning things. But I'm tempted to go back and look at like. Mm, what What episode was I, you know, that I feel was like a nine and not a ten, right? And who do I want to like go back some of the early early stuff because you're still trying to find who what your voice is creatively, trying to find I'm trying to find who what my voice is as a as a journalist, as an interviewer and so on. And it's like, do I want to touch those again or do I just want to like just say, this is the second interview I did with this person or what does that look like because that might be the sort of ugly work. But, you know i put it out there but that's kind of the, i guess maybe some of the the uglier work and it's the the play component and you know there there was this time where you know, i'll go through like um different audiobooks books and i remember it was something about like george carlin you get rid of his jokes each year it's just like i'm done with those not going to do those again and i tried that with some of my questions because i'll go through i keep a this is going to sound really nerdy and geeky i keep a spreadsheet. With different questions in there. And I'm like, let me add something here. Let me do like, you know, maybe an hour coming up with questions that I think will be really cool. And then I try to craft them to to the guests as I'm, you know, going through their their bio and their work. And it's like, you know what, I want to know what this person has to say about this particular topic in in addition to their, you know, talking about their work. And at a a point, I think I was just deleting them after, let's say, 10 episodes. I don't want to feel stale. So let me get, yeah. away. as I was just playing, let me move to the next thing. And it's it's something really interesting about experimentation and kind of just having those opportunities to, to fail, to, to not put out the, well, it's not really failing, but to not put out the most polished and beautiful work. It's something that's moving you to the next piece that's going to be polished and beautiful and representative in a way, but you need to get through those steps that gets you to that stage, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. But you know what's funny, Rob? As an artist, sometimes there's things that you're so proud of, that you love, that you're like, this is it. I And then nobody else loves it. And then you'll throw something out there where you're like, whatever, I'm going to post something this week. Here's what I was working on. And it's everyone's like, "Woo!" And you're like, really? Because like I was not in love with this at all. So that happens to me often where I think, I have no idea what people like in my work. <laughs> I know what I like. Yeah. uh so i I do sometimes share the things where i'm like i don't know if i like this and everybody's like yay so i guess i just don't know what people like in my work but <laughs> i also sometimes don't care i'm doing it for me i mean i don't get me wrong when people are like yay even if it's not my favorite i still feel happy yeah. but um but i feel a little bit like oh okay well maybe i'll try more of that maybe i'll try to make it more how i like it yeah um so I, I and I think you know it's surprising if you go back and listen to some of your older ones. I bet you you'll be like, oh, you'll be re-inspired by your early self. Yeah, there might be a little cringy things. It's okay.
0: Before I got jaded. <laughs> There's probably
1: going to be a lot there where you're like, oh, that was a good question. I should bring that one back.
0: No, that's that's true. And thank you. That you're you're right about that. Going back through the old archives and you know it's like. Three years isn't that long, or four years isn't that long ago. It's long enough that I was like, "All right, let me." But also, yeah. it's just like
1: you'll recognize your beginner level uh, or your starting out level, but at the same time, there'll be gems there.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Like
1: I look at some old sketchbooks and I'm like, "Ew," and then I'm like, "Oh, this page is good."
0: <laughs> that's that's the way I look at pictures of myself. I was like, oh, whoa, what were you thinking? What was up with your? Oh my
1: goodness, hand? we all feel like that. <laughs> like any photo <laughs> taken by our parents between the ages of like twelve and seventeen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I had some really weird sideburn years then. Uh, so this is the last real question because, as I said before, you were kind of like crushing all of the other questions. You were knocking them out. I was like, oh, you're going to answer the question about experimentation. Nice. Good on you. Uh, I'm
1: sorry. I'm just chatty.
0: No, no, you're good. This this is this is great. Um, it's, it's less of me talking, which is what everyone wants. Uh, so I, I read a quote on your website that um, – I think it was on your website. But I read a quote that, that reads um, – you need weird art in your life. Could you could you say more about that and why is like weirdness and art and creativity important to you and your work?
1: Yeah, so that's an Ezra Croft quote, I think. I have it somewhere. I can't read it from here, but essentially it's like people don't need like dentist office art, right? So we all know that's like art from Marshalls that you buy and it's a great price and it looks nice. Great. It's great. But everybody could have it in their house. So people need, they need something that they look at and then just for whatever reason, it speaks to them. Mm -hmm. And other people don't have to like it. It has to be something that they love. I mean, maybe the people you live with should like it, but really you could put it in your own office and look at it yourself. Um so yeah, that inspired me. Um even just with my design work a, a long time ago. And I I used to, you know, do these like ink drawings and stuff. And my mom, my mom would say, and I started working in this weirder collage, digital collage, funny stuff for illustration and. Um, graphic design work and my mom would go well hon you should make those nice ink birds you used to make those are nice and I would say but I I don't really like making those anymore mom I like making this weird stuff that I'm making and other people like it it has awards (laughs) you know and she'd go yeah but you know you should really make the nice art that you used to make and so I kind of and I came across this quote and and of course it's with a mom's love like it wasn't it's because she likes it and they were nice they were nice little inky birds and they were kind of fun. Um, and that was my mom's favorite thing, right? So, you know, you're subjective when you're looking at art. And uh, I said, yeah, but let me know. And I've always been that kind of person. I know, I know, mom, but I like making this now. So that's what I'm doing. And uh, I said other people like it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run with it. Um, and so I saw that quote and I thought, that's totally it. There are There is an audience out there for things that are different. And my stuff isn't even that weird. Like there's some artists out there that have some weird stuff that I'm like, Ooh, this is weird. and super cool. And I don't know if I would buy it, but I respect the weirdness. Like I respect the the creativity there and like where you're going and your mind is crazy. And I like that. Um, So I, I enjoy that. I think people need to find what it is they like, and it doesn't have to be weird. It just has to be something that drives them and that motivates them because that's what, to me, that's what art should be. It should be, what makes you happy what pushes you forward that's that's what you should should make and that's what you should buy so even if you don't make art if you find some weird stuff out there and you and you love it that's what you should strive towards getting like you don't need to have the landscape or the famous print of picasso's whatever like i mean picasso's kind of weird but you know <laughs> what i mean you don't need that you you need to have what what you want to look at and inspires you every day in your house um that's that just sort of like that resonated with me so loud at that time and i i've i've just kept it in the back of my mind ever since then and i've been making my you know my weird art which isn't weird but it's my thing and i i like to own it and that's i'm not making any inky birds right now <laughs> or probably in the near future sorry mom
0: <laughs> <laughs> well thank you that's that's great um and yes yeah, so that's a really good place for us to uh sort of wrap on the real part of the pod and um yeah, it worked out really well, and it actually kind of, you know, answered another question that you know was in there. So definitely, definitely knocking things out. Uh, so what I want to do now in these these final moments, um, I got five rapid fire questions for you. Okay, and I'll give you I'm the preface. I'll give you the preface that I give everyone. Don't don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Uh, and whatever you say in that moment is what you said. It's like don't you know? Uh, right. So here's the first one. What was your first job?
1: Oh, my first job was um, at McDonald's. Okay. I wanted a car so bad, I begged them to hire me before I was 14. Because I figured I needed two years to buy a car working at McDonald's. I dig it. Mm -hmm.
0: What is your favorite, because, you know, your artist types, uh, you can't say have one. So what is your favorite color combination?
1: I do have a favorite color combination that no one else likes. And it's like this, uh, like sort of really bright orange and teal.
0: It's, it's a and very make- Miami kind of kind of setup, right there.
1: Yeah. I love hot weather. No one buys those ones. Mm. I have a whole collection on my wall here. They're lovely. I love them. <laughs> but hands down, hands down, is like this like icy green teal and this bright poppy orange.
0: I like it. I like it. I do, too. <laughs> so you mentioned the, the black thumb earlier. I'm going to I'm going I'm to ask it. What is your favorite flower?
1: Uh, okay, so this is funny because my favorite flower is a Gerber daisy because they're colorful and cheap. You
0: can that, always I,
1: get me Gerber daisies because they're not going to cost you a lot of money.
0: That that might be the other thing i described describe myself. Rob Lee, owner of the black thumb, and he's, uh, he's – what's was the cheap and what? <laughs> <laughs> cheap and easy? <laughs> cheap and easy, yeah. Rob Lee, cheap and easy, owner of the black thumb. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> Don't say weird, but describe your style in one word. That's a that's a very trolly way to ask that question, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but it's not it's really not weird. Can I have two words, please? Uh, I'll go magic wonder. OK, that's what I feel like my studio time is to me.
0: Got it. That's yeah, good.
1: or one we could go with we could go with just magic.
0: I like magic wonder. I do even hyphenate. Right. For
1: yeah, magic wonder.
0: So this is the last one um right. favorite cartoon growing up Ooh, yeah yeah that oh was very goodness. early on you're talking about drawing i was like oh I'm hold yeah. on that one because I, I was a person that liked to draw and animate when i was a kid i used to always draw the x-men and i would get into trouble by uh i would hurry up and do a test in class do a quiz and i would draw pictures of wolverine and then sell them conduct <laughs> by the way i would do pictures of wolverine and sell them in class and get in so much trouble. Because you
1: distracting everyone.
0: Yes. I'm like, man, look, it's a quarter, man. You can take, 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 take it or leave it, man. These claws ain't getting any sharper. That's why I used to say.
1: I don't, you know what? I can't even think. Uh, I would, I would, I guess my instant thought was Garfield. It's nice. It's good. He was such a jerky cat. And I love like a, a good sarcastic, like, like, Cards Against Humanity, I can win a lot of rounds. I've got a dirty, sarcastic, uh, underlying humor. And um, and I think Garfield, he's just a jerk and, and lazy ass, but also witty. Uh, I just enjoyed, like, old Garfield. They, made, they remade Garfield. I've seen it with my kids, and it
0: sucks. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I guess that's not even fair. I don't even know if, like, it was a very popular cartoon. I mean, like, it was obviously a comic yeah. first, I think. It was, yeah. But I did see it on TV and I enjoyed I enjoyed him like a lot.
0: I mean, I would send Normal to another place as well. Like, get out of here. I don't I don't like this this cheerfulness. YouTube's like, yeah,
1: like a dog, right? <laughs> like it's just a perfectly captured, dumb, happy dog. Like just so lovely.
0: I hate Mondays as well. Uh and I do like lasagna, actually. I have a lot in common with that. Yeah,
1: right like who, who doesn't love a good nap
0: i don't know oh, absolutely have my uh, post lunch pre brunch snack. uh so with that i, I want to one thank you for coming on to this podcast this has been a great way to spend the the afternoon here you're three hours behind so you're in the early afternoon and uh and i want to um, invite and encourage you to share with the listeners where they can check you out your work social media website all of that good stuff the floor is yours
1: Oh, okay. So I'm I guess uh jessadupuis.art is where I'm at online. Um and then mostly I'm just on Instagram, uh at Jessa So J-E-S-S-A-D-U-P-U-I-S, because I know that's hard to spell. And I'm not French. I married uh a guy that has a French last name and so a lot of people will get excited <laughs> and I'm like no I can't speak French
0: I mean I was gonna come on here real weird like and here we are just terrible
1: I would have been like oh sorry only English Sadly, <laughs> um,
0: and you're you're native Canadian right you, you you're you from yeah. there, or okay because I'm hearing a little bit of it I hear a little bit of that Canadian accent creep out of yeah night. good
1: because um we were talking to our kids the other day about accents and zaya was saying well but so so so-and-so has an accent but do we have accents i was like everybody's got an accent (laughs) i didn't i didn't drop any a's today for you though so thanks for having me on here a (laughs) A real (laughs) pleasure
0: and there you have it folks i want to again thank jessa Dupuis for coming on to the podcast and i'm rob lee saying that there's arts and culture in and around your neck of the woods you just got to look for it